Oasis Church. I am Megan. It is so good to be with you today, hanging out. Um, we're gonna continue our series on our values as a church. This has been an incredible series. Julian's been talking about worship the last couple weeks. I encourage you to listen to those messages if you missed them. Um, just so inspiring and encouraging. And we're gonna continue to talk about worship today. Um, our value is we worship together. And I'm super excited to talk about this because I love worship. I've been leading worship since I was probably around 15, but even before that, just been around a lot of worship music spaces in my life. As some of you might know, I grew up in a family band, and so my mom was a teacher and my dad was a banker. They quit their jobs, we got a motorhome, we threw crazy instruments in the back, and we went on the road. Yes, as a family band, indeed. And um, every band kind of has to have their niche, right? Um, and so our niche was crazy instruments. So my mom is a genius. She can pick up anything and make it an instrument, but she can definitely pick up any instrument and play it. We would have instruments that you've never heard of, instruments that probably were made up. Um, things like, I remember she, her, she played a marxophone, she played a, a zither, there was a didgeridoo in our house right now as we speak. Um, there was a ukulele, which is a cross between a ukulele and a violin, so now wow. we're getting cross instruments, it's crazy wow. stuff. She even had, a, a, she called it a mouth bow. Pretty sure she made this one up, um, it was a, a bent wooden piece of wood with a string attached to it. She would put the the thing up to her face, pluck the string, and move her mouth to make different sounds. She's a genius. Wow. It yes, she is an absolute genius. And um, for my birthday this year, I I went to the door and there was a package um, that I got from my parents. So sweet. Um, and a lot of people maybe if you get a package in the mail for your birthday, maybe it's a gift card or uh, cookies or something, but. Um, what I got in the mail, Stephen, if you could bring this here, is um, this. Wow. I got this for my birthday. This is called a melodica. And um, so, so, yeah, I'm really actually glad I didn't get this earlier in my life because I went to a Christian college, and if you've been to a Christian college or maybe any college at all, you know, the, the boys and girls gather around the campfire and they're—, they're they're, you know, scoping each other out for, for, for future situations, you know? And, um, and so, th and then the, the guy busts out the guitar. Wow. And all the girls wow. are like, oh my gosh, you love Jesus and you play the guitar? You are definitely my husband. And I'm not making fun of those girls. I was those girls. So, and, and I'm glad I didn't get this earlier because I might have, um, in light of proving that I was indeed their intended wife, um, been done something like, hey, so you play the guitar? Well, I can play Alicia Keys on the melodica. in there. Yeah, it didn't. Um, I'm glad I didn't wow. get that earlier, but I'm engaged now, so everything's fine. It worked out. Praise God. 
Um, but I've seen in my experience a lot of different ways that people can worship. We would, as a family band, we would go to different churches um, every week and see a bunch of different kinds of worship. Some were, you know, unified hand motions. Some were old hymns. And I remember the first time I went to, we went to a church and when worship started, they started running down, up and down the aisles with flags. And, um, and at first I was like, what? is happening and then I remembered um, that I had I, I played wow, my nerd dumb is really coming out here I played the oboe in high school and uh, for a marching band you can't play the oboe so you have to do something else so I joined the flag corps so I had just joined the flag corps I see these people running up and down the aisle with their flags I was like what are you doing and then I was like wait Give me one of those and then I twirled it I did my flips yeah it was beautiful I probably still remember how to do it it was it was a beautiful time, but yeah, I've seen a lot through the spaces of worship that I've been in, and through those spaces, I have noticed that there's a problem. And the problem is that we worship on Sundays, and then Monday through Saturday, we are riddled with discouragement, yeah. anxiety, worry, and it makes me wonder, maybe we don't actually know the power that worship has and what it can do for our lives. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like a superpower a little bit. It's like the superhero that doesn't know they have their powers yet. Spider-Man gets bit, you know, by the spider and he goes to bed that night. He has the powers, but he doesn't know it yet. Oh, until he wakes up. And so um, you're going to leave here. <laughs> Spider-Man. Just yeah. kidding. But and my hope is that you will leave here with a greater understanding of your superpower against the things that are coming against you. And that superpower is worship. There's a saying that um, give someone a fish and they will eat for a day. Teach someone to fish and they will eat for a lifetime. And here's mine today. Give someone a worship leader and they'll worship for a day. Oh but God. teach someone to worship and they'll have this weapon for the rest of their lives. Oh <laughs> so I'm going to read, I'm going to start off by reading this psalm of worship. It's one of my favorite psalms. Um, it's just packed full of worship. And actually, I encourage you, if you don't know where to start with worship, sometimes we're like, what do we, what do we do? Start in the Psalms. Here's a great one, Psalm 96. Actually, if you can open, if you have a physical Bible, let's open it together. Let's turn the pages together. If you have it on your phone, let's read this together. It's Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be revered above all the gods. The gods of other nations are merely idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come and worship him. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Let all the nations that Tell all the nations that the Lord is king. The world is firmly established and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Praise God. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that we are all here together, and I thank you that you want to teach us about worship because you know that it, that it is a life-changing thing that you have created for us to be in your presence. God, so thank you for access to your presence 
that we have access to, to you because you died and rose again and tore the veil and now we can come into your presence and we're thankful. So teach us today, God. Um, let your Holy Spirit be present in our homes and in our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So in order to see the power that worship has, I think we gotta think about what it is even a couple months ago um, I asked myself, what is worship? Expecting, I've been leading worship for forever, expecting the answer to be like, oh yeah, it's this, this, this. And I was like, wait, what is worship? So I did some research. I've been, I've been studying, the Lord's been showing me some stuff and I'm excited to show you. One thing that helped me um, is worship is actually based on an old English word. So worship in English is based on an old English word um, that actually means worship. So it is attributing worth to something. It's giving value to something. Worship is expressing reverence or adoration. It is regarding with extravagant honor or devotion. And in looking at this, I, I believe that we, all, we are created to worship, so we're all worshiping something. So... I'll be honest with you, if, if worship is devotion and attributing value, when I think about this past week, I worshiped a lot of other things than God. I was devoted to discouragement at times this week. I was devoted and I put value in my career this, uh, a bunch this week, and it got a little bit higher than God sometimes. And hear me out, um, I'm just being honest with you because that's how easy it is to worship other things. And can I call myself out for a minute when we worship things that aren't God? They're idols. And when we worship things that have to do with us, if I'm worshiping my career, I'm putting my own self on the throne of my life. And that's not where I belong. So my question to us today is what is the direction of our devotion? Where are we putting our devotion? And the second question is, how's that working out for you? <laughs> because it hasn't been working out for me when my devotion is in the direction of myself and my worries and my discouragement. It's not, it doesn't work out. And, and we think, um, oh, I would never worship an idol. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so crazy. And if we think about the, um, the Ten Commandments, when the story when Moses comes back down the mountain, he just got the Ten Commandments, super epic moment. He reveals himself and then he sees the Israelites, they had just built a golden calf. And I think sometimes we read these Bible stories, we're like, oh my gosh, God, I would never do that to you. I would never worship anything but you. I love you so much. And, um, and then this, and then in our weeks, we, we spend putting ourselves on the throne. We spend putting our boyfriend, our girlfriend on the throne. We spend putting our career on the throne. We spend putting money on the throne. We got to get God back on his throne. So worship is redirecting our devotion back to God. When we turn our direction back to God, we do. We put him back on the throne of our lives. And it's not that he was ever not on the throne. We don't have that kind of power. He's, our, he's the king. And so he will not. He doesn't fall off of his throne. Um, but when we put him in our perspective and in our acknowledgement of him on his throne, that we are submitted to his lordship because he's a good God and he cares for us and he actually sees more than we do. He sees what I need in my career more than I do. He sees what's good for me. He is, I, when I submit myself to his lordship is when 
I give him the power back. He never had, didn't have the power, but my perspective shifts, and he has the power back in my life. And the other things that we worship anyway, they're going to fail us. They're going to disappoint us constantly. They, can, they will always let us down, but our God on the throne, he cannot. He is not able to let us down. If we feel like he has let us down, the story is not over. Um, a word that is used in the New Testament for worship in the Greek is proskuneo. And it's here on the screen, and it means to kiss the hand in token of reverence. And so in the centuries ago, in the olden days, people in authority used to wear a ring. I think you call it a signet ring. And it, um, it meant that they, it established their authority. It was a symbol of their authority. And then people under their authority would kiss their ring to... Um, to indicate submission. I think of uh, Aladdin, and the, the sultan had the ring, and whoever has the ring has power. Um, and so the person would kiss the ring. And so that's this word used for worship, is, is to kiss the hand in reverence. And to some of us, like, we're thinking, wow, that's a beautiful way to worship God. And other, others of us are like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to kiss nobody's hand. Like, that's very strange, and I don't want to submit myself actually to authority at all because I've been burned by authority. Yeah. A lot of us have been burned by authority. A lot of us have authority issues because we don't want to be told what to do. We don't want somebody controlling us. We want to be in control. And, and I think some of the, the authority issues might come from because the people, maybe sometimes we've been under authority and that person had an agenda for us. They weren't for us. They had an agenda for us to serve themselves. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we've put up some walls in, in authority. Um, even with advertisements, it, um, the average American will see up to 4,000 to 10,000 advertisements a day exposed to them. You don't even realize you're seeing them. These ads are telling you what to buy, what to do to be more attractive, what to, what to sign up for to get more money. They're all telling you what to do. And they have an agenda. Sure, they might want to help, but also they want your money. <laughs> That's why they're an advertisement. Um, and but I want to encourage you that it is God is actually a really safe place to let Him be have authority in our lives because His agenda is you. His agenda is loving you. His agenda was to take to send His Son from his perfect place in heaven down to earth, put on flesh, live a life of temptation and hardship, and then die so that you and I could be set free and so that you and I could have life. That's God's agenda. His agenda is you. And God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need our money. That's not why we ask and talk about giving in church. That's not why our value is we give together. God doesn't need our money. The Bible says this thing, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We're like, what does that mean? Lots of cows. No, it actually just means he's super rich. He has access to anything on the earth. He has access to all the money. He doesn't need anything from us. Acts 17, 24 to 25 says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Another thing worship does is it reminds us of who God is and what he has done. 
Psalm 103, um, in the NLT version, it says, Praise the Lord, I tell myself. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Another version says, oh, my soul. Talking to ourselves, reminding ourselves of what we know about God. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. And never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives my, he goes on to say what the good things are. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He ransoms me from death and surrounds me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. You know, we're not always gonna feel like worshiping. Y'all, I'm a worship leader. I barely ever feel like worshiping. Can I be honest with you? Um, don't judge me. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's hard to be a, a worship leader and, and go through things because you're standing on the stage on this platform singing about the goodness of God when sometimes all I wanna say is, God, if you are good, then why am I going through this? Yeah. God, if you are what we're singing about, then why do I hurt this much? Why did you take this thing from me? But we don't. And in fact, on this Oasis stage a couple years ago, I remember a specific time I was going through one of the one of the hardest things that I've gone through. And I was singing this song. I didn't choose this song, y'all. I was singing this song for me, only Jesus. And I I don't want to sing those words. I wanted to sing, for me, anything but Jesus, because you let me down. You took something from me, and I feel disappointed in you. And yet, I sing these words, and it's not, hear me, it's not a performance. It's not something fake. It's me reminding my soul of the thing that I know, the thing that my spirit knows about God, that if he gave me nothing else in this entire world, that he is enough for me, only Jesus. We're not gonna feel like worshiping all the time. And that's when it becomes a sacrifice of praise. The Bible talks about that a lot. Um, it's praising in the middle of our mess. It's praising that we know deep down in our spirit who God is and what he said. And, and we, can, we can sing that as a prophetic moment that we will declare what he has done and who he is, that he withholds no good thing. That's a verse I keep coming back to when I'm discouraged. He withholds no good thing. It's our chance to praise him in advance for the answer prayer we haven't seen yet. Um, Acts 13, 15 says, with Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. So another thing worship is, is a, is a heart posture. So there are a lot of um, examples of worship in the Bible that I was looking up. There's lots of words used for it, and some of them were really helpful for me, so I want to share them with you. One is um, yada. It's in Hebrew. So it's, it's a word for praise. It means to hold out the hand physically, to throw at, to revere or worship with extended hands. So sometimes, you know, the worship leader's like, lift your hands and sing. Well, they're not just saying it to make them feel good about themselves. It's actually an, ex, um, an expression, a physical expression of an inward posture of our heart. So, so we, another 
thing is to throw at, this word yada, to throw a stone at. So throwing our worship up to God, we lift our hands for a lot of stuff. I'm lifting my hands when I'm explaining a story that I'm really excited about. I'm lifting my hands when I am at a concert. I'm lifting my hands. Um, a baby's lifting their hands because they trust and surrender because their parent is the only thing that they know and they would literally die without them. Lifting hands is an expression of our inward surrender to Jesus. And for a while, I didn't get it. Uh, it's like, why are these people lifting their hands? Like, are they just trying to appear really holy? Or even then I went through a stage where I wanna lift my hands, but why am I doing that? Oh my gosh, am I just trying to be really worshipful? Am I trying to be, I don't know, this or that? But it reminds me of the story um, about my dad. My dad is a worshiper. And we were at this camp that we go, used to go to every summer and it, uh, we would worship with like hymns and stuff. And it was, I didn't get it then. I love hymns now, but then I was like, what are those words? Even now I sang a hymn the other day. I had to Google every, every line, bro. But um, uh, it's saying these hymns are saying these lofty things about God. As a kid, I didn't get it. I probably don't get some of it now. And my dad is just hands in the air worshiping, no matter what song it is and no matter what it's saying. And I remember asking him afterwards, I was like, dad, why? do you do that? <laughs> Why do you lift your hands when like, they didn't talk about anything like that had to do with us or what God's doing for us or what something like that. And, and he said something like, it's because it doesn't matter what the song is saying. God is worthy of my praise. God is worthy of my praise. He's, this is about God. This isn't about me. And sometimes I think in order to feel like was worship good today? <laughs> I've asked it. I've asked that question. Uh, how was worship today? What are we asking? Because we've been called, in the Bible, we've been called priests. In First Peter, we're called priests. A priest, a royal priesthood. The priests, not like um, maybe what we think about, like a, like a Catholic priest or this kind of priest. Um, but in the Bible, a priest would offer sacrifices in the temple and minister to God. Their role their job description was minister to God. And so, and so it's not about, you know, how we feel about it or did we cry today or did we get goosebumps? Those things will probably happen and that's beautiful. But if that becomes the purpose and the point, then it's becoming about us again and it's putting us back on that throne. Um, another word used um, for praise and worship is barak. It means to bless or kneel. Maybe you've seen people kneel before God. Um, another one is shaha, to bow down and prostrate oneself before the Lord, like face on the ground, y'all, like no joke, on the ground, prostrate. Um, and these are beautiful, and these are beautiful things that we can begin to incorporate in our worship at home and practice, and, but really it's, it's less of an outward expression because the outward expression comes from the inward posture. So our hearts are bowed down to God. Our hearts are submitted to His authority in our lives. Our hearts are reaching out like a child to their father saying, hey, I'm not gonna live another day if, I don't, if you don't help me. If you don't pick me up, um, and and that heart posture is is so important to God. I think even more than worship, He's looking for worshipers. Second mm -hmm. um, Chronicles sixteen nine says, "The Lord's eyes keep on roaming throughout the earth, looking for those hearts, those whose hearts completely belong to Him." 
so that he may strongly support them. Yeah, even more than the act of worship, he's looking for who, for who are worshipers, whose heart posture is bowed down. Worship isn't just singing. It's not just, it's not, it's not just the 20 minutes before the sermon. It's a state of mind of submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Um, one of my favorite speakers and authors, A.W. Tozer, the goat, when a per- he says, when a person yielding to God and believing the truth of God is filled with the Spirit of God, even his faintest whisper will be worship. Yeah. And then worship is a weapon. And that's, this is what we're coming to, the power of worship in our lives, y'all. We're not just commanded to worship because God needs our worship. He doesn't need nothing from us. He reminds us to worship because he knows how powerful it is for our lives to experience his presence here on this earth, to bring heaven here to this earth. Worship is a weapon. In 2 Chronicles 10, 3 to 4, for though we live in the world, we not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What we're up against is not the world. We're not fighting against people. We're not even fighting against egos, y'all. It's spiritual. We're up against spiritual things, and we got to use spiritual weapons, and that is our worship. Um, there's this king in the Bible named Jehoshaphat, and he followed the Lord, and he sought the Lord when he needed wisdom and when he needed to make a decision, um, which a lot of the kings didn't do that, so yay for him. Um, Second Chronicles 20, uh, 21 to 23, he's getting, he, he had just gotten news that uh, he was about to get attacked by these armies, and he sought the Lord. And then, this is a little bit later, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Gives us a tip, like, if we don't know how to worship, use these words. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Y'all, they fought each other. They killed each other. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. The Lord fought that entire battle with them, and it began the moment they started singing. Wow. Worship is God coming down. When we worship, God's going to fight our battles, y'all. God is going to fight for us. And I think it's so interesting, too. Side note, they, they didn't sing, God, help us in this battle. They sang, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They were singing about who God is, not even what they were asking him to do. Yeah. Um, we might be familiar, some of us, with the, with the story of Paul and Silas when they were in jail. Locked up, y'all, and that's not a good place to be. And did they complain and did they... No, they didn't do any of that. Uh, They worshiped. Um, Acts 16 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken on its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Not even just their chains. Worship, bringing heaven to earth, bringing, experiencing, encountering God's presence— it's going to break the chains all around you, too. It's, not, it's got that kind of power because it's God's power. It's God's power 
that we are activating on this earth. Um, so what do we do? I don't want us to go home and not, uh, and not know what to do. We are not just the only worship leaders. You are the worship leader. You are your own soul's worship leader. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. Praise the Lord. And so, and so I want to do that together right now. I want, to, I want to remind ourselves of who God is. I want to redirect our devotion back to God. I want to help us posture our hearts in submission to Him and engage in this weapon of worship right now. I'm just going to play over us. And remember, worship's not just singing. If you don't have a good voice, like, yeah, one of the words for worship is, is to sing. And God loves your voice. I'm just saying. He loves your voice. You can read scripture. You can, you can, worship is a heart posture. So I want to encourage us. You're in your house right now. You know, you could just tune out right now. I might encourage you, let's practice this for a second. Let's turn our devotion back to God for a minute. Remind our souls in any situations that we're in of who God is. You can sing with me. You can read scripture out loud. You can go to Psalm 96. But I encourage you just right now, wherever you are, engage. Cause you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, oh God, you're good. Oh, come on, sing that. You are good, you're good. Show us your glory. Show. 